0: guys so you know the mission is to add value to people's lives through this podcast and we try to tackle great topics that can add value to you specifically today give you tools you can use to make your life better so i met this guy oh my gosh guys at the winery right um get a text message saying hey we we need to meet we need to get together so i go to the winery and the guy's name is scott white oh my gosh guys i thought i felt like i was looking into a mirror This guy is on fire for life. So enthusiastic. We get talking. I go, yep, I'm with you on that, with you on that, with you on that. We agree on so many things on so many levels. The guy has a mission to add value to the world. And I wanted to bring him into the podcast room to talk about his new book. It's called Life is Too Short, Guy. Making every day the best day ever, (laughs) exclamation point. Guy's on fire for life. So Scott, he's right here. Tell me about your history. Tell me what got you here. Tell me what caused you to write this book. I got to know.
1: Wow. That's an awful lot to tell. Let's see. Um, Let let me get to the punchline. The punchline is what inspired me to write the book is to make the world happier. Let me rewind. All right. So we started at the end and now let me rewind. So I'm going to go back uh, a while now. I'm going to go back to the mid-1980s and we're talking... Plus to 1984, and I'm sitting on the floor of my parents' living room. And, and it's exactly what you could picture. 1984. We're talking green carpet. We're talking green drapes. We're talking orange couch. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's 1984 all over the place. And and my dad, uh, who is my hero, mentor, friend, is is next to me with some made-up sawhorses, not real sawhorses. These are like flipped over garbage cans and he's cutting um paneling. My, my dad and I, my dad, very handy. I wish I, I actually absorbed some of those skills, but very handy. He and I are, are cutting, paneling, and preparing to to redo one of the bedrooms, right? So um, I'm sitting there on the ground, and, and my job is to hold the glue gun. This is a very important job for a 10-year-old, but but I'm part of the process. It makes me feel good, and next thing I know, he yells, ouch. And I look up, and I'm like, Dad, you okay? And uh, he's holding his finger. He's, he's he's holding his finger real tight, and he's looking at him like, are you Okay. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. He, he, he releases his hand, you know, his right hand. He looks at his left hand. He closes it. He opens it. He closes it. And I think actually he believes if he opens and closes it enough, he'll close this cup. But that's not the reality. The reality is he had cut his finger and he looks at me. He's like, go get me a wet paper towel. I go in the kitchen. I grab a wet paper towel. I tell my mom, dad cut his hand. She comes running out. Um, we, we give him the wet paper towel. And now he thinks that if he originally couldn't quite close it with a dry hand, maybe a wet paper towel will close it. Guess what? It's still not closed. So... Well, it's starting to drip down, and, and we have to bring in some medical expertise, so I am very blessed and fortunate my grandparents lived around the block. We call uh, we call Poppy, and uh, Poppy was a trained television repair person, and Poppy shows up as, as the medical expertise, looks the finger, and says, yeah, we should probably get this stitched. So so they head off to the hospital, and I go to bed, and in the middle of the night, my mom comes in and wakes me, and she uh, I'm, I'm dazed. I don't really know what's going on. I'm 10 years old. It's the middle of the night, and she's like, Dad had a heart attack. And I said what? What? That's exactly right. I said what? And by the way, I'm not even sure I fully comprehend it. Again, if you could sort of rewind in your life, which is hard, and remembering a ten year old brain, you, you have no idea who you are, where you are, what's going on. You just woke up, and Dad had a heart attack. So Mom heads off to the hospital. Um, I uh, Grandma comes over to to watch me, and um, you know, I, I go to visit Dad in the hospital the next day, and Dad survived the heart attack. To get to the punchline here, um, I go to visit Dad in the hospital the next day, and and I'm just blown away. This is. Probably my first time in the hospital. Thank God, it's, it's, I'm ten years old, and other than being born, I don't think I've been in a hospital. And I see Dad with the, with the monitors, the IV, the so on and so forth, and I am just sort of of, of shell shocked, not sure how to react to it. So Dad, uh, Dad's released from the hospital, and everything is is fine, other than the fact that given Dad didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about. Exercise, what he eats, so on and so forth. At forty-two years old, he had not only had a heart attack, but most of his arteries were closed. So it's now nineteen eighty-four, and I wouldn't suggest that bypass surgery in twenty twenty-two is a common procedure. But in nineteen eighty-four, you are talking cutting-edge, pioneering, risky proposition. So, so Dad uh, and Mom fly out to Texas, and two of the leading pioneers in, in bypass surgery uh, prepare or, or perform the surgery on Dad and. Um, I stay with, with my grandparents, and the phone rings. I'm there a couple of days. I, I can't really remember how long. You know again, you don't have phones, you don't have text here. you send year old, you don't even know what the calendar is. Anyway, phone rings. It's, it's one of these old rotary dial phones. Grandma answers it, and, and I hear her talk a little bit. And she hands me the phone. She's like, it's for you. I'm like, hello. Here's Scott. I'm like Dad. And at that moment, at that moment in time, I fell to the ground and just bawled and cried like I'd never cried before and probably cried like I'd never cried again. It was at that moment at 10 years old that I I had an early, a blessed appreciation for life. I realized Uh. that life is too short. It can be taken away in a heartbeat. I didn't know it the day before. You know, he went for the surgery, and and you sort of know, wow, this is probably a big deal, but you're 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And then that moment you hear your dad, who had flown halfway across the country to have kind of risky surgery, and he talks to you and, and he says, hello, uh, that was the moment that transformed my life. And that was the foundation for what ultimately became the book, Life is Too Short, Guy. And and from that moment on, I, I lived with a greater appreciation for and respect for every minute you have, for gratefulness, for happiness, for positivity. And I, I can't pretend to tell you that at 10 years old, I had it figured out. I had this philosophy and I could have written the book. In fact, it took another 40 years to get around to writing that book. But that was there, there's no doubt that was the foundation. And in fact... Um, I lost him 23 years after that episode, and I remember saying at his funeral, I opened the funeral, I delivered the eulogy with, I am both grateful and happy, and, and you know I think that gets to the, the ultimate punchline of, of the book, the philosophy is, I don't know how many funerals you've gone to where the opening sentence is, I'm both grateful and I'm happy, I mean, people look mm-hmm. like, huh, right. what's going on here, and, and I don't have to say I'm truly grateful, that I had another 23 years, because he could have left 23 years ago when he had that heart attack and triple bypass surgery. And I'm grateful that he was there to see me get married, to see the birth of my children, to see all those life events. Um, and, and that was the foundation. That was that was what led to what ultimately became, or what I'm, I'm finalizing now, is life is too short, guy, making every day the best day ever. So you fast forward uh, 40-ish years, plus or minus, and I'm rounding a little bit. Um, I have long wanted to write a book and I started working last year during COVID with a, with an executive coach and, and he does an assessment of me and, and sort of what are your likes, your goals, so on and so forth. And he, and he says to me, he's like, dude, you're like Mr. Life is Too Short guy. And that was the first time I actually heard it defined. Mm-hmm. I knew who I was, but here it was defined, Mr. Life is Too Short guy. And, and he went on to say, he's like, you know, everything is positive. Everything is happy. Everything is urgent. There's a sense of urgency in, in mm-hmm. my approach to life. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I think that's right. So I go, I, uh, I, I at that evening, I mentioned to my wife, I'm like, yeah, I met this new guy, Kevin, and I kind of like him. He's pushing me out of my comfort zone, and he, he called me Mr. Life is Too Short guy. And she's like, yeah, I can see that. Maybe that's your book. I'm like. Hmm. What's my book? like Mr. Life is too short guy what, what does that mean? And you know she's I, I'm very, very fortunate. I've been with my wife now since uh, junior year of high school. so if if anybody knows wow. me, it is my greatest gift. there's no doubt uh, hands down. If anybody knows me, she knows that you plant a little seed and and you let it kind of germinate. and then a couple of days later you put a little water on it. a couple of days later you fertilize it and that that's what happened. She planted that seed in February of 2021 uh, January of 2021 in February, I was like, yeah, I, I could see this. And I started writing an outline, an outline on my philosophy, an outline on happiness, positivity, gratefulness, living in the moment, urgency, all those elements. And then I stopped. It was it was probably, I'd say, a four, four to six week project. Um, and I let it sit on the sideline. And then this year, I was like, you know what? Your life is too short, guy. What are you waiting for? And I, I connected with a uh, with someone that, that that I've been working with in terms of an editor and a publisher, and and spent the first half of this year drafting the book. Right now, it is in final editing to to be released in January. I'm running my presale campaign and. I'm fired up. I'm excited. I'm on a mission, um, similar to you. I mean, I, I I make it a little bit simpler uh, because I have a simple mind, but it's I'm making the world happier, one smile at a time. It's that simple. If if anyone listening to this literally just smiles for half a second, boom, that's great because I got one extra second of happiness out of you, one extra second of smile out of you, one extra second of positivity, and that's my goal. That's my mission. Awesome. What are what are some of the chapters? So, what are some of the chapters? the The foundational element, the first chapter, is is about the power of positivity, the power of you control your own destiny through your mind. Uh, you know, I I will tell you that I was very deliberate, Randy, in that I tried not to make this an academic book. I want this to be very approachable, very readable. He, he, there's so many people that don't enjoy reading, even, even don't even enjoy listening to books. I love listening to reading, but I want sort of anyone, a high school kid, a college kid, a, a 90-year-old person to be able to take this book and not have to go through uh, tomes of, of academia and research and so on and so forth. So there's not a lot of academia in it, but but I do mention in the first chapter about there's a lot of studies that have demonstrated that, that you control at least 50. at least 50% of your happiness through your attitude. You know, a lot of people are just, yeah, you know what? I'm a a, a negative person by, by, uh, genetically or I'm a negative person just because that's who I am. Well, that's not true. You've made that choice to be a negative person and I try to convince you, both through my own stories and the stories of others, that you have the power to approach anything, any fact. You can give me any fact pattern. People have challenged me on this too. Okay, cancer and war and, and famine. And go ahead, give me all of those. There's always a positive angle. There's always a, and you know, I talk about a story in there that just just blows my mind, and we're just going to give it to you very briefly. I won't, won't get lost in the weeds, but one of the things I do in the book that I that I love is I tell other people's stories. So it's great that I have a philosophy and I have a story, but but what makes it more interesting is the, the, the beautiful way you weave together all the other people's stories. And there's a story in there um, by Eric LeGrand, and Eric LeGrand is just a, an amazing individual. Eric LeGrand was a college football player, uh, and Eric LeGrand, about 12 years ago, was at MetLife um, at Stadium playing for Rutgers against Army. Ran down the field head-on into the uh, gentleman carrying the ball, and Eric Legrand went down hard and didn't move. And I was at that game with my family, and I watched, and I realized that something was. This was more serious than a a football injury, a regular football injury. Turned out, Eric Legrand became um, completely paralyzed. Eric is a a, um, a quadriplegic, and I interviewed Eric and talked. And I've known Eric a little bit on and off over the years, and. And, and Eric tells me at the end of our interview, and, and this is the power of positivity, by the way, here, here you go in, in a nutshell, you almost don't even need the book because you could just sum it up here. Um, he's like, you know what, no matter what you're told, it could be worse. And, and let me give you an example. says, Eric, he's like, you know, you go to the doctor and the doctor says it's terminal. You have 30 days to live right away. I'm thinking, wow, that's fantastic because you could have told me tomorrow's my last day. And that's just sort of one of those, those things that stick with you about the power of positivity. Um, there's another chapter on the power of social networks. No one can make it alone. In this world, it, it, we rely on one another. It's 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 innate in human nature, and I believe, and, and I demonstrate this both through some of the stories and through other people's stories, the power of the community, the power of the network, and, and it doesn't matter how you define it. You choose how you define your social network. It doesn't have to be massive. You don't need thousands of friends. It could be your family. It could be your religious organization. It could be your... Team, it doesn't matter what it is, but we rely on one another. And I refer to a, a, an amazing study that started at Harvard in the 1940s. It's the longest running study of, of um, uh, happiness and a longitudinal study. That was the word I was looking for. Um, and it came down to, and it assesses all these different people in terms of their, their they, it started with uh, Harvard sophomores. And then they added a cohort to try to compare, okay, so you have a certain person that ends up in the 1940s at Harvard. What about the surrounding communities? Your, your Boston communities, those that are less affluent, those that quite frankly come from poor backgrounds. By the way, there are a couple of senators uh, or would-be senators in the study, uh, president in this study, um, so on and so forth. And and the ultimate sort of punchline that, that came away, and there's so much data on this, I mean, it's a very rich and robust study, is, is those that were happiest had the best social interactions, They had the best Best social network, the best support, and the best relationships. And, and one of the key takeaways that I took away from it, especially as somebody that, that's now almost fifty years old, is that uh, those that are the best relationships in their fifties and sixties and were the happiest ultimately were both physically and mentally the healthiest in their eighties. So the power of social networks. I talk about. Um, the power of learning. You know, constantly challenge yourself to to improve yourself, to learn in some way. And by the way, that doesn't mean going to school. That doesn't mean a formal education. That doesn't even mean reading. You could learn a a hobby. You could you can learn a a new interest. Whatever it is, continue to challenge your mind, continue to to learn something. And I refer to um uh, mindset. Carol Dweck wrote a book called Mindset, which is just a wonderful book where she talks about there's there's basically two sets of people in the world and, and they, they blend a little bit, but there's a fixed mindset and, the, and then there's a growth mindset. And the fixed mindset is basically, look, I know everything I, I'm ever going to know. My IQ is fixed. There's nothing I can do to to make that, to, to improve that. And then there's the growth mindset. I could constantly learn. And I challenge people in the book to constantly learn, make yourself better, um, improve yourself. There's so much more. I mean, I can go on for days, but I know the podcast doesn't last days, so I'll pause there. <laughs> I love that. That's interesting. You said the book was called Mindset by what was her name? Carol Dweck. Carol is a a well-known um professor at the University of Pennsylvania and she talks about uh mindset. It's just it's it's fantastic. It really challenges you. So so she basically says that that there are certain people that are it's almost like a, a defense mechanism to say, look my IQ is what it is and I can't learn more because you fear failure right like it, like if you challenge if you take on a challenge and you fail you're like yeah well you know I'm only a, I'm only that smart or I'm only whatever and you don't want people to realize maybe you're not the smartest person in the room whereas the growth mindset is, there's always something to learn, always, no matter who you are, no matter what you know, the the smartest person in the world. Forget about – let, let's get away from intellect. What about – all right, let, let's talk about Randy as a skier, right? Randy was a world-class skier. There was always somebody that knew something more than him about getting around those turns or whatever it was. Constantly challenge yourself because you could always get better no matter how good you are.
0: Mm, that's, a good, that's a good perspective.
1: So with you. Talk to me about what was your favorite chapter to write? It's got to be about the power of positivity. It really is that, the, you know, the, the first chapter is the foundation for the whole book. There's so much in there. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before about how negative the world is. And I sort of start the book by saying, look, you're coming out of COVID, right? One of the greatest shocks that that a lot of this generation has ever seen. Uh, you got the war in the Ukraine, right? Yeah, you. you you have the economic situation. I can go through the litany of things that wow. And I think I even say this in the book. I can't remember if if I quoted this way, but basically wow, life sucks, right? Life sucks. That that's easy. But why take that perspective? There's so many opportunities and I give examples in there. You know, so so the book is is a passion project, a hobby, a mission for me, but I actually have a day job as my day job is I'm the CEO and chairman of a public company and I regularly communicate with my team and I, I remember putting out a a newsletter I'd say it was about it must have been February first if I remember correctly and i I did this exercise that's in the book that that I'm really excited about. I wrote I think it was two hundred words I don't remember two hundred words of Wow. This isn't exactly it, but you'll get the tone. Wow, it's the middle of the winter. Wow, it's Monday. Um, The economy's kind of really struggling. Uh, We got some issues in the company. Um, It gets dark so early. It's so cold. There's nothing interesting like sports-wise. I don't remember everything I said. But it was February first, and I will tell you, like I'm the happiest guy I know, except for you, Randy. I just I met somebody happier than me, but I'm the happiest guy (laughs) I know, and I will tell you, February is a tough month for me. Like the, the the short days, the the cold weather, it's just it's a tough month. And then I wrote exactly below it 200 words of what an amazing day today. Is I woke up and I have the opportunity to lead this wonderful company. We have so many opportunities ahead of us. The world is, is calling us to solve problems. And, and again, I wish I had the quote right in front of me, but I, I struggled with one, getting the word count to match because I wanted people to see that you could take the exact same facts, the exact same word count, the exact same font size and, and see two entirely different worlds. It's almost like, wait, is this the same guy in the same world? Mm-hmm. I struggled to write the negative one. The positive one came out easily and I was trying to push people to, no matter what the facts are, it, it's all about perspective and life is too short. That's the underlying premise. So one of the things I talk about in a different chapter but related is you know when you're born using rough math here, and, and, and I was very rough with my math, it's not precise, but plus or minus y- your life expectancy is 80. I know we can debate that, men, women, where in the world are, but let's just go with 80. For 80 years, you have approximately 42 million minutes, okay? By the time you're thinking about this, you know, Randy, you and I are about the same age, but plus or minus, you're kind of halfway through life. Maybe not. Maybe you're 20, maybe you're 70, but let's just humor me to make the math easy. You're halfway through, so you got 21 million minutes left in your life. Generally, we all sleep about a third of that time. Now, you're down to 14 million minutes. What are you doing with that 14 million minutes? This is what I'm challenging people, both in terms of taking risks and in terms of your perspective. You could sit around and wallow and and look at the world and be like, I'm going to use a couple of minutes today thinking about how bad the economy is or how my life sucks or my job is kind of going nowhere or I could use those minutes and be like, you know, I'm so grateful to be employed. I have such a wonderful opportunity. There are better opportunities out there. I don't love this one. I'm going to move on to something else. I'm going to write a book. Like for me, this was a challenge. You started a winery. This is what, what excited, happy, powerful people do. And I say powerful not in terms of, of – um, I, I don't want that to be misconstrued. I want that to be uh, you have the power to set your own course. So in the end, the book is the intersection of urgency and gratefulness and happiness. Take every minute and make the most of them.
0: Love it. Were there any chapters that didn't make the book that you wrote?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. You know, it's a great question. There are not. There are stories that didn't make it because they didn't illustrate as well as I had hoped. And I will tell you there were some that I struggled with to this day um the learn the the learning chapter. I think is a, is is a softer chapter, right? Because a lot of it's about urgency. It's about positivity. It's about living in the moment. It's about taking risks. And learning is, I think it's an important part. Again, the whole thing is set on, on my philosophy of living a happier, more fulfilled life. And I think learning is really important. But I will tell you that one, you know, the positivity chapter, God, I must have written... 5 6000 words like in a day or two cuz it was just like brrr, oh my god positive happiness live in the moment make the most of it smile like enjoy life wake up every day with a smile on your face so on so forth Then then I got to learning I, I talked about Carol Dweck who's awesome and I talked about how I constantly look for new challenges I mean like even I'll give you a great example of kind of strange challenges so so I'm writing this book. Uh, I run a public company. I'm involved in some other business endeavors. And and earlier this year, I, I love soccer. I grew up playing soccer. It's sort of a passion for me. So earlier this year, I said to my wife, you know what? I want to become a youth soccer referee. She looks at me, she's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just looked at me the same way. You're like, oh, what? I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's just a new challenge. I want to get out there and, and run around a little bit and learn how to ref soccer. And that's what I mean about learning something new. And by the way, it was kooky. I have a very good friend who challenged me from the beginning. He's like, you realize you're going to spend more money on being trained to become a soccer ref than you're ever going to earn? So I took that as a challenge, <laughs> by the way, and I couldn't do it that often because I got other things going on. I probably only refed about five games this year, and I needed to get like that last game in just to, like I made $1 more than I had spent on the training just to go back to Brendan and say, Brendan, you were wrong, bud. I made that money. But I'm a dollar up. That's awesome. That's <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, great stuff! I cannot wait to read this book. I'm excited. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm
1: on a mission to make the world happier one smile at a time. I feel so good about telling the story. I feel good about meeting guys like you, right? I mean, you know, our, our paths crossed because I came to your winery. I saw the it, it just exuded it, it. It reeked of happiness. I mean, it, it, it everywhere was positive, happy. I reached out to you, we met, um, and and you know, it, 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 these are. I want to make everyone else in the room as happy as us. How do mm-hmm. we do that?
0: Mm-hmm. You know what we ought to do? We ought to turn your book into an audiobook here in the podcast room. Put it on all the platforms. Go to the moon. We're going <laughs> right? to. I love that. We're, we're
1: going to we're gonna do audio book. We're going to do hard copy. That's we're awesome. going to do soft copy. We're going to do uh, an ebook, and And I'm going to get out there and tell the story. I'm going to speak and I'm going to make the world happier one smile at a time. I
0: love it. That's awesome. Proud to meet you, man. Good stuff, dude. Yeah. Thank wow. you so much. Thank you I so much for coming, Scott. I appreciate being invited. Scott. Thank you. Of course. It's
1: a pleasure.